I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, February 15th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do Buffalo speeches and we don't do prayers. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. <clears throat> but first, let me remind people that our audio streams at our website, www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on our Facebook group page via Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which puts it up as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So you can follow us on Instagram, you can follow us on uh, um, Twitter, and of course you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our podcasts. Uh, I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is um, managing our video and our sound. All right, let me get right into it. Free prior and informed consent. What the hell does that mean? Well, you know, it's to put it simply, it's it is veto power. If you're saying that in order for a number of things, and let me be clear, free prior and informed consent is mentioned a half dozen times in the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. I'm not saying that this thing is, you know, somehow our savior. It sure isn't. In fact, it is the minimum standard that the international community could agree upon. You know, it's the minimum standard. This is, you know, this isn't, you know, giving us something. This is like saying the rock bottom minimum standard that Indigenous people need for survival, <laughs> for, um, uh, their integrity and for any kind of well-being is is what this is is what this includes six times the expression free prior and informed consent is mentioned in this so it's not just snuck in there this isn't just something that you know somebody got away with putting in there that that nobody noticed it was probably one of the more debated lines and and again it shows up in six different articles of the UN declaration of the rights of indigenous peoples but again this is the minimum standard. This is not, you know, this is not like propping us up. This is saying this is the minimum standard that a people who predate the settler colonialism that now, you know, uh, has tried to assert control over peoples and lands. And saying the minimum. So free prior informed consent. What that means is that in order for the, in the sixth place, according to this, and I'm not saying it should be limited to this, but according to this, things like, land use, removing people, depriving people of access to land, um, trying to come up with any kind of just compensation for, uh, for egregious acts. Again, six times. You look it up yourself. I mean, you can read it. It's, it's, not a great, it's not a great read, but there's a few things that I pull out of this every once in a while just because it is an acknowledgment that the international community, the, the United Nations, and all the member states, well, except for the four who voted against it in 2007, the United States, Canada, New Zealand and Australia. Those are the four who voted against it. But since then, they all claim to say, claim that, oh, yeah, yeah, we're okay with it now. In fact, in, at the end of last year, not only 
did, did you have guys like Justin Trudeau saying, "Oh yeah, we're go- we're going to fully adopt the um, uh, the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples," whatever that means. But in BC, of all places, in, in British Columbia, they actually um, passed legislation at the end of last year that embeds the UN Declaration of the, on, the, on the Rights of Indigenous People into their legal framework. So what does that mean? Well, it means very little because now they're trying to jam a pipeline through uh, what's Oden territory. And, and in fact, the debate seems to rage on on what does free prior and informed consent mean? I mean, what did uh, Trudeau said, you know, a couple of years ago? He said, um, uh, Ottawa doesn't recognize the unconditional right of First Nations to uni- unilaterally uh, block projects. Uh, and, and in fact, the the minister from from British Columbia says, well, it does, veto doesn't show up any place in the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. The word veto isn't in there. Of course, it's not in there. But it says the requirement to do some of the crap that you're trying to do to Native people is that you have to have their free, prior, and informed consent. So if I got to break it down, I'll break it down. It means that they have to freely consent to something. And they have to be fully informed to what they're consenting to. And it doesn't say that they need consultation or to be notified. It says, no, you need consent from them. So from for all intents and purposes, free prior to informed consent does mean that Native people, the international community is recognized that Native people do have say on these, on these projects. On anything that affects, and and not even just a pipeline going through the territory. I mean, this is this involves like the Dakota Access Pipeline, the, the idea that that their lands could be affected because something was going to happen upstream of their of their territory. I mean, that's that's what's included here. So you've got the United States and Canada saying, well, you know, we, you know, after Harper and, and you know after the Bush years, you, you, you've got Obama and you've got Trudeau saying, yeah, we, we support the aspirations of the agreement as long as it doesn't violate our laws. Well, that's the problem though. So, so here's this document that gets out there. And, and of course, the U S Canada and Australia, New Zealand, they're, they're all like under the gun because they're the only countries that voted against it. And why? Because they have indigenous populations. That's why. The other countries do, but not in the. They don't have the same shame and guilt associated. They they weren't as guilty of of mass genocide. Uh, in fact, many of the the countries, you know, have gained independence from their colonial lords, kind of, <laughs> except for the fact that you've still got you know white people, white Euro- Europeans that are that are the dominant uh, uh, political strength in places like. Brazil and Bolivia and Venezuela and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. But anyway, so here you have it. You you have this language. You have the, the province that surrounds Wet'suwet'en territory claiming just at the end of last year. And this this debate in Wet'suwet'en territory has been going on for a while here. And they still pass this thing. And then immediately the minister from, uh, from BC says, Oh, no, it doesn't, it, does, it doesn't say veto anywhere. They don't have veto power. We're recognizing the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, but, but we don't, they don't have veto power. And then, of course, Trudeau, again, he uses, he doesn't even talk about indigenous people, which I'm not crazy about the words either, but he's got to always throw the, that First Nations expression in there. Uh, Ottawa doesn't recognize un- the unconditional rights of First Nations 
to unilaterally block projects. Well, what is a First Nation? Uh, and we can get into that debate. I'll tell you what, the better debate is consent from who? I mean, <clears throat> I talked about it in the last show. I listened to one of, the, one of these guys on a CBC uh, interview, hereditary chief from what's Southern territory, and he was referring to the courts as his courts. He was referring to himself as a British Columbian, as a Canadian, and this guy's supposed to be traditional. So wait a second. So an, an indigenous distinct people aren't the ones who who are going to be called upon for this this consent? Just a Canadian is going to be called? I mean, a, a Canadian of color? And of course, if you look at the whole Fed rec process, both on the U.S. and the Canadian side, whether you're talking about tribal councils, band councils, or even these so-called traditional councils, you have people who are oftentimes in the pocket, and especially on the Canadian side, the Indian Act, and, and my, my good friend, Degarundage, um, if you haven't seen the video of him giving an interview uh, in Gunawage, uh, I posted it on the Let's Talk Native page, but it's making it He's got like almost 200,000 views of this thing. So his words are, are, are getting out there far better than mine are. Uh, but, you know, he, he makes the point. If, look, if you've accepted the, ban, uh, the, the Indian Act, then you're in their ship. You're not in, and this is what I talked about in the last show. You're not in, in our canoe. You're in their ship. You're recognizing, you, you are acknowledging the, the whole idea of the assimilation and you're saying you're, you're you're a Canadian, which is exactly what this you know what this what Soatin, um hereditary chief said. If you're a Canadian, then you can't speak for the people of Wet'suwet'en. I mean, it, it, it just defies logic. And of course, I'm always going to get into a debate, even with my good friend Martha Fasthorst just on Facebook uh, today. Um, you know, she's calling on Native people to go out and vote. I mean, you, you show me one place. You show me one place that the native vote, even if we were just voted as a block, which we, which we wouldn't, that the native vote would turn a uh, a red state blue. Show me show me one state that the native vote would turn a red state blue, or or the other way around for that matter. And and here's the thing, because of the influence of church, military service, and you know and 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 more, there's a good chance that many native territories might lean right they might lean blue not or lean red and right not 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 blue and left so be careful what you wish for if you think you're you're trying to get the native vote out because you're going to what unseat trump white people are going to vote for him or or not vote for him we're not going to make the difference there what do we do when we participate in in, the, in these systems we just sell out we just become assimilated you know, I post. I always post the meme of uh, the meme that I created with the sticker that says, "You know, here's the sticker if, you, if you're native and you vote in the elections." I just contributed to, the, you know, to the systems of oppression. No, that's that's what it is. And so, you know, again, I go back to the original question: free, prior, and informed consent from who? So, it, does Canada get to decide who gives them the consent? Or do the native people, do, do the Wet'suwet'en get to decide? And if so, then you better decide, wise, uh, decide wisely. Because if the guys that you're calling your hereditary chiefs view themselves as Canadians, as British Columbians, as little more than just a traditional version of, of a band council, 
operating under the Indian Act, viewing the the courts as yours, uh, then you better be careful who, who you're who you're standing up to say has the power or the authority to give that consent because that's that's a, that's a bit of a problem, folks. That's a bit of a problem. You know, because I mean, and I I'm not saying um, how any given territory should determine what constitutes consent, but. I'll tell you one thing, you can't have consent if the people don't know what's going on. So if you only talk to a few native guys, I don't care if they're in traditional you know, clothing or not, or if they're in a three-piece suit and just darker skin, you pull them in the room and you tell them, well, here's what we're going to do, and here's what we're going to pay you. If the rest of the people don't know, that's not, that's not free prior informed consent. That's, co- that's collusion. That's coercion. That's, you know, that's paying off a few individuals. So, as much as, you know, look, I, I appreciate the language, free prior and informed consent. But if the United States and, the, and Canada can decide who has the power to give that consent, that, that we, the people, don't have that power? And, 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 and what does that mean exactly? Look, the, the, a, a lot of this gets difficult. And even on the, you know, even when, you know, Trudeau says unilateral, well, when you, as opposed to unilateral, who are you saying is going to sit at the table? Justin Trudeau, are you going to sit at the table? You know, I see this video going around with with my with my friend uh, uh, Seth trying to talk to a Indigenous Affairs Minister about polishing the the Covenant chain. Well, who the hell is that guy? To, I'm not talking about Seth. I'm talking about who's this low level Minister of Indigenous Affairs to represent? Is is he really going to be there with the authority to represent the Crown? Really? Or is he just some little, you know, diplomatic shill? You know, and, and of course, even, I mean, I'm not even sure who, who exactly who Seth's representing either. I mean, he's raising some good questions, and I, and I don't have a problem with that. But who's he raising the question to? So, yeah, I got to ask the question, well, who, on, who representing us or, or any native territory represents that free prior informed consent? And to whom? Because by the time you, you, you communicate some, you know, some opinion to a low-level, uh, you know, d- diplomat or, or, or appointed official in you, on the U.S. or Canadian side, by the time that, that, you know, that gets translated over and over a few times, they've got a saying, you know, they, they're putting all kinds of words in their mouths. So... You know, diplomacy is is the idea that people who have uh, who who are legitimately carrying the voice, and it's a slow process from from a from a native standpoint. It's a slow process for us to to actually accomplish these diplomatic missions. Why? Because we've got to go back to our people all the time. That, I mean, according to our culture, of course, if you're a band council, you know, chief, if you're a uh, if you're a First Nations chief or a Fed Rec, you know. Uh, president, chief, um, uh, tribal chairman, whatever, whatever other labels that the, the federal government's willing to to recognize as leadership, then they're all for giving you all kinds of authority. It doesn't they don't they don't care what, what your system is, and if you're if you are legitimately wielding that, that authority, they just want somebody who can sign the paper. That's all they want. They want somebody who can put an X on it. You don't have to sign it. <laughs> you can look back at all the old treaties. No, you don't need to sign anything. Just put an X here. We just need a mark on a paper, knowing that you gave something up. 
You know, and, and that's the absurdity of it. And, and then, then once that mark gets put on the paper, then they start twisting all of those words around. You know, I hear this one all the time. Uh, not only do, do people want to misrepresent what they call the George Washington belt, which is, which is bullshit, a bullshit wampum belt. It's not even ours. It, you know, Oneida's made it under, uh, under, uh, you know, as a, a commissioned piece for George, George Washington asked for that to be made. So it wasn't made for us. It didn't represent our account of a, of, you know, of, of a negotiation or an agreement or an understanding. None of that stuff. It was, it, it's, it's a very submissive. If you don't know what it looks like, look it up. George Washington Bell. It's terrible. It, it shows us as these two little guys around 13 big men and they're holding something over our heads. And, and I've heard native people. You know, I've heard Oren Lyons and I've heard some of these people, these iconic voices out there saying, uh, yeah, this is, uh, symbolizes us being under the U.S. protection. I'm thinking, bullshit, where did that come from? And, and I just recently saw, you know, saw a treaty where the United States does use the word protection, but they're talking about protecting us from them and their tax system. They, you know, they're saying that, you know, they're, they're making a commitment in one of these treaties to protect us from states trying to impose taxes. So they're, they're essentially saying they're, they're protecting us from them. Not that they've placed us under their protection against some sort of, you know, outside foe. No, they're just, so it's not, we aren't placed under their protection. This isn't about subordinates or submission. So even when that word gets used, and this is how people twist this stuff around. Free prior and informed consent does mean veto power. It doesn't mean that we have one guy who has that power. It means that we as people have the power to approve or not approve, to consent or not consent to a pipeline going through our territories. And, and, and in fact, no individual in, in most of our territories, and, and I can't speak to, to all. I mean, look, maybe some places, you know, I, I hear words like matriarch being used. That's not even in our system. We, we have things like matrilineal systems. But matriarchs is no different than that's 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 like the queen. The queen's a matriarch. So you have queens in, in our territories, and yet we have people using that word. Oh yeah, the matriarchs of a territory got arrested. Look, we don't have matriarchal. We don't we don't have you know women who are placed in in supreme positions of power over our territory or men. You know, but I don't. Maybe you do. If you do, you do. And if you if you live in a community where you've bestowed that level of authority on a few individuals, and you know, metaphorically, if you're referring to somebody as a matriarch just because they are a strong woman who stands up for the people, okay, I get that. The problem is, by the time the media gets a hold of it and they start using that word, it takes on a different meaning. And, and it's an English word. It's not ours. This isn't our language. So when we use things like even the word chief, I mean, that's, I think that's a Scottish or, or Irish word. I mean, it comes, it, it, it's, a, it's a European word. Our words don't even translate to something like that. I mean, so if we, we say Rurionesu or Rayana, or, or we, we don't, we aren't talking about somebody who's been placed above everybody else. In fact, specifically in our culture, we say, no, all the heads are the same. We all, we all, our heads are at the same level. We don't have hierarchies in our territory. We don't have archies. We don't have monarchies. We don't have patriarchies. We don't have, we don't have rulers. We have servants. When somebody is, is placed in one of these positions, they are servants of the people. So 
A servant of the of the people can couldn't give that consent. Somehow, you have to de- determine. Well, how does how are you accurately going to communicate the will of the people? Well, first off, you gotta you've got to inform them. In order for free prior informed consent to come from people, the people have to know what what's going on. You can't have a few people in a closed door session say, "Well, they offered us X million millions of dollars, and you know maybe access to something." I mean, or jobs. Yeah, you got to hear this one. Oh yeah, they're going to put a pipeline through, and we're going to get jobs. What for six months? I mean, these are permanent jobs. So, and, and and then they're going to set up man camps and they're going to do all, I mean, there's a direct connection between the extractive industries, the pipeline industries, all that stuff, and missing and murdered indigenous women. You know, and so, so when, when these guys, you know, come into a, into a territory, they want to grab, they want to grab a brown guy and say, hey, do you have authority to, uh, to sign off on something? Can you give consent? And you know, let, let me tell you what we're going to do. They don't. They won't discuss the the impacts, the negative impacts of this stuff. No, we're we're just going to talk about here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to talk about here's what we're going to do for you. So, no free prior and informed consent. It's mentioned six times, six times in the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And at the end of last year, like I said, BC claims to have in, embedded, incorporated. They they, they actually put the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People into their legal framework. So unlike in the United States where, uh, where if you tried to cite a violation of the UN Declaration, the courts would just say, we're not bound by that. In BC, they're supposed to be. In fact, Harper, the, the prime minister, claims that, uh, that he was going to um, <clears throat> honor and, and follow and and uh, and incorporate uh, the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People into Canadian law. He didn't, but BC claims to be doing it, and yet BC is is where you know all the pressure is is, is mounting against the Wet'suwet'en. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying the Wet'suwet'en are are British Columbians. Uh, apparently, one of your hereditary chiefs said that, but I'm not saying that. You guys can decide that for yourselves, but. I'm not saying you're Canadians. I'm not saying Wet'suwet'en uh, territory is part of Canada or part of BC. I'll, I'll sit here and tell you right now. I don't. I don't consider Cattaraugus part of New York State or Allegheny or the or the, the the territories that the Senecas have acquired under their land acquisition clause of the Salamanca Settlement Act. No, that's absolute title. That's land that the Senecas own outright. They have original and absolute title to the lands. So they're not, they don't hold this land with a New York state deed or, or even a U.S. title. How do I know this? Well, because the words that they put in their treaty, not the ones that people want to claim is, is demonstrated in the George Washington belt, but in the Canada Treaty, they said the United States recognizes that the Seneca land is theirs, that, that the land is theirs, it belongs to the Senecas, and the United States will never claim the same. And in fact, they said it about all six nations. That our land was ours and the United States would never claim the same, nor interfere with our free use and enjoyment of, of that land. Of course, just like, you know, <laughs> just like Canada, you know, ignores those, you know, that original language or the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. The U.S. does too. They still do whatever the hell they feel like. They, they violate international. Is it a law? 
is a declar- does a declaration constitute a law? Um, it should. But the United States will say, no, we're not bound by that. But Canada, that, that's a little different thing on the Canadian side, especially if BC claims to have embedded this in their legal framework. It starts to become a problem for them. And then they got to get into a debate. Well, does free prior and informed consent mean veto power? And so when you hear the, the BC minister in the same breath as, a, as putting this into their law, turn around and say, well, the, the, the words veto don't show up anyplace in, uh, in the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. There's a lot that doesn't show up on this, but you know, it, it's clear. A couple of things are clear in this document. This is a repudiation of the doctrine of Christian discovery. You know, third affirmation of the look it up. The third affirmation of the in the preamble of this thing. It's a clear repudiation of the racist policies associated. Well, all racist policies, but clearly the doctrine of Christian discovery. And the other thing that's clear is. They're saying you can't do you just can't do stuff to native people without their consent, without free, prior, and informed consent. And and it says people, not just their leaders. It doesn't say first nations. It doesn't say band councils. It doesn't say chiefs. It doesn't say patriarchs or matriarchs. It says the people. So we got a bit of a we got a bit of a problem on our hands here. Because there's there's language you know and 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 just like with all of this stuff you you go back through history the contradictions are amazing the 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 level of contradiction and double talk so i mean you you got justin trudeau saying well no they don't have unilateral right to you know to block projects well what does free and prior or free prior and informed consent mean then i mean it says you have to consent you have to get consent that is unilateral uh authority that is veto power. All right, hey, we're, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back and I'll get yelling at the microphone again in just a few minutes. This is John Cade. This is Let's Talk Native. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Hey, I want to thank our sponsors. Let's Talk Native is sponsored by Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, uh, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and the good folks at uh, Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply. Um, that's it. We don't have a whole lot. I know a couple of people have expressed an interest re- recently, and I'm hoping we, we add a few more sponsors. The more we have the more we can do i mean the more sponsorship we have the more resources we have the more we can do you know jake and i have been you know trying to bang out some videos along the way we'd like to do a full-length documentary in fact we're we're trying to put together you know at least an equipment budget for some of that stuff so we're 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 always trying to do something a little bit more than what we're doing um but again i'm grateful for those of you who, who do sponsor on a regular basis and those of you who do it sometimes just out of the blue you know whether you make a uh, a paypal donation on you find our paypal link off of our website let's talk native.com or uh whether you purchase one of our shirts <laughs> One of our Let's Talk Native shirts, or uh, or the shirt I'll be rocking next week, my my Abraham Lincoln with the noose. Yes, Abraham Lincoln, the executioner. I'll be uh, rocking that shirt. Uh, Jake will flash a few of them up there on the screen as uh, at some point, if, at least on the YouTube video, we'll, you'll see it. But um, uh, go to our website and then go to the store. Go to letstalknative.com. 
go to the store and you'll see we've got a, a bunch of shirts up there that uh that, you know jake has uh has, has put his artistic uh, <laughs> mind to work here to create and uh the lincoln one is uh, that's the that's among the first ones that i that i've ordered so um uh, i look forward to, to wearing that and, and so people can see it and and i posted a picture of it the other day so i know people have, have, have responded so that's another way you can support the show that way you can actually uh, you can wear something a little controversial there's nothing controversial about let's talk native by the way but um you wear one of the more you know cringeworthy shirts, if you will, uh, that could start a conversation, and you support the show at the same time. Um, but uh, look, I'm also um, really grateful for those of you who share the shows, and you know, you know, not only just watching it, but those of you who share the shows, especially you know, whether you share the, the the Facebook live stream or the podcasts or the YouTube videos, however however you get it out, I, I appreciate you guys spreading the word. Some of the conversations that I'm having, I know. Look, I, I realize it's uncomfortable sometimes. I, I realize that I am calling some of our people out. And, and I, I'm willing to take the grief for that. Because some people say, why are you always calling our own people down? Well, because sometimes our own people are wrong. <laughs> that's, that's why I do it. I mean, and, and I think we have to be responsible. We can't hold others responsible if we're not responsible. I mean, how do we push back against Canada if you turn around behind you and you got everybody calling themselves Canadians? If, if the people that you know that you that if your own family, are, you know, are Trump supporters or uh, or Justin Trudeau supporters, I don't know how you, uh, you know, that's not building a strong coalition, and that's not you know asserting you know the kind of resistance. I mean, and I look, I see people on both the U.S. and the Canadian side that buy in. Look, they you're going to see more Canadian flags and U.S. flags flying on native territories, you know, than you're going to see uh, any of our individual uh uh iconic images and that's a problem that's a problem so uh anyway i want to thank all of you who, who do share the show um i i think it i think it is important i think it's really important that we we have this conversation and that we take on the tough conversations i mean some of the stuff it it, it is important it's the last show i talked about says you know i talked about the things that we can do and there is a lot that we can do and if you think by not joining in that system that the alternative is to do nothing man that's that's a terrible um way of viewing it no we need to resist and i'm not saying we gotta go out and fight people all the time but we need to educate we need to we need to stand our ground look you know the amount of rail that's being blocked on the canadian side in support of the Wet'suwet'en territories it's incredible i mean it really is incredible I, it's hard sometimes to get people on the U.S. side to do that. You know, we don't seem to stand together on the same uh, the same way here. But it's also easy to you know to all of a sudden the, the message doesn't see, lose you, you lose the messaging, so to speak. Look, I don't know more. I thought that was a, a great movement. I mean, and the and the beauty of I don't know more was that it was grassroots, completely grassroots. Then all of a sudden you get somebody like Teresa Spence out there who gains all of the attention because of her, because of her so-called hunger strike. And, you know, so what happens is you, you take the wind out of the sails of a movement. What's happening in Wet'suwet'en territory is happening in many of our territories, U.S. and, uh, and, and the Canadian side of the imaginary line. Uh, and, in fact, <laughs> across an ocean in, in, into uh, uh, Hawaii. This is the same kind of thing that, we're all, that we are facing uh, in many of our territories, in Brazil, in Bolivia, 
in Australia. These are the same kind of thing that indigenous people are facing all over. So, you know, how do we how do we resist? And and I'm sorry, if you think you gotta join them and and somehow fix it from the inside, like I said, there is no place in the United States that even if you get every native person in a in a native community to vote for Democrats, <laughs> which which is problematic all by itself, are you going to turn a you going to turn Oklahoma blue? I don't think so. North Dakota, <laughs> Idaho, come on. I mean, you show me a significant swing state that the native vote. If we if we came out in big numbers and voted as a block, that we could change it. Show me that. Just show me that, and then I'll give you at least something to your argument. The problem is, in order to do that, in order for us to vote, we've got to throw away. We we we've got to turn our back on our ancestors. We got to say, you know what? We are, um, you know, we're 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 not native anymore. We're not. We're not. You know, now we're Americans. Now we're Canadians. And man, that should that should bother us at many different levels. And I'll tell you where it should really bother us. If we're ever going to hold up this this notion of free, prior, and informed consent, are we really representing the indigenous people, the the the, the people who are not just descendants of? those people who predate the the settler colonials in our in, in our on our lands now if if we're not those people anymore and i'm sorry just like degarunduke said and and said in, in in his video by all means I, like i said his that video of him uh, doing this interview it's it's i think it's 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 got to be close to 200,000 views now if you haven't seen it you should watch it i posted it on uh, on the let's talk native um uh uh Facebook group page, and so you can find it. Just scroll down a little bit, and you'll you'll find it down there. And it's not a very long video. I, it may only be about ten minutes long, but again, but he, but he makes the point. He makes the same thing we talk about here all the time. We better understand this identity issue, because if you are accepting U.S. citizenship, if you are accepting Canadian citizenship, then you can't be the one that that provides the consent on what happens on a native territory. Because you're you represent the other side, then. I mean, this isn't complicated, folks. It, it's this is pretty basic stuff. Now, look, there's no question that, that again, according to, to the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, oh, it's fine that you get absorbed into um, in, into the state. It's fine that you do that, and and they have to let you vote. They have to let you do this stuff, and they, they have to afford you all of the rights of their citizenry. In fact, they have to they have to provide you with with citizenship according to the, according to the U.S. Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. There's not a whole lot in here that talks about our sovereignty, which is where this thing falls. I mean, and, and falls apart as far as I'm concerned. But I'm not saying we can't pull the pull the decent words out of there. I mean, it, after all. Article 43 of of this thing, and I'll read it for you. Article 43, um, it it says, The rights recognized herein constitute the minimum standards for survival, dignity, and well-being of the the indigenous peoples of the world. So, right out of the gate, this is not 
a utopian fix. This is the minimum standard that the United States and Canada can't even come close to meeting. They don't even try. I mean, they don't, they don't even try to, to achieve any of this stuff. And, and even some of the free and prior, free prior to informed consent um, uh, references in here talks about after they didn't get free prior to informed consent, that they still need free prior to informed consent to, um, to, for redress on their, vi- on, uh, <laughs> on their violations. I mean, it's, again, eh, it's a pretty good doublespeak in there, too. And I look, I know a lot of Native people were really proud of this thing and they worked hard and that kind of stuff. And the international community was, was so, felt so gracious about, uh, you know, making this declaration. The problem is it has no bite. It has no bite. And, you know, the moment somebody even brings it up, they got to dock out of the other side of their face and say, yeah, but there's no, no veto power there. No, the, the people don't have any authority. We're supposed to provide them, you know, get free prior to informed consent, but there's no, but they, but they still want to deny. In fact, the reason the United States voted against this thing, <laughs> they, they wanted to redefine what self-determination means. And it's not just the United States. Canada wants, no, self-determination means internal self-determination. It means that they only get to determine, you know, certain things within their, their, organization they don't want to recognize this as a nation they'll throw the word nation out there first nation <laughs> but when they use sovereignty they're going to throw things like tribal in front of it tribal sovereignty they're not going to they don't want to recognize uh, uh, real sovereignty and the, and the problem is there there's all these treaties out there so who is the parties uh, who are the parties to the treaties anymore i mean in the u.s when they make a treaty with with the the Lakota, and now you've got Standing Rock Sioux, you've got uh, Cheyenne River Sioux, you've got you know you you've got all of these you know uh, federally recognized dissections of a native people. You know the Haudenosaunee, you've got the Saint Regis Mohawk tribe. Well, that's not the Mohawk Nation. You got the Oneida Indian Nation of New York. You got the Oneida Nation of the Thames in uh, in Ontario, and you got the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin. Well, what the hell is that? So what's the United Nation? And you know, and, and of course, you can you can go across. I mean, uh, you know, we we get caught up into those those same words about well, are we a people or are we a nation? Are so we get we get screwed up even using their language, indigenous. You know, one of the problems I have with the word indigenous is that according to the international definition of indigenous. They aren't acknowledging that we are those people who predate them, that we're merely descendants of those people. Well, that's a problem. I have a problem with that. We have to assert, no, we are those people. We are the people who negotiated nation to nation, you know, people to people. I mean, however you want to use the word, I mean, that that we had the authority to represent on a level playing field certain things like what access we gave you not what you gave us, but what we gave you as far as access to our lands. And where the limitations of that were. So when people ask the question, well, well, can, a, can a, um, a First Nation that is represented by a band council claim to be a party to a treaty with, with, with Canada or, or, or the Crown? I don't know if they can. Because if they're just merely a municipality, look, I, I saw this guy who wrote this document for for, um, for the Seneca Nation, 
where he suggested that this that tribal governments and again throwing that word tribal governments are a part of u.s federalism he, he tried to suggest that the that tribal governments are somewhere in there between states and counties as it relates to the division of um uh, of you know of I, of of breaking down governance within the federal system and you know what that's bullshit i mean that's just categorically wrong and if if any of us agree to that then we're no longer a distinct people we are just some sort of subdivision you know somewhere between municipalities counties um but certainly lower than states or provinces that's that's the way they're trying to to manipulate us we're no longer the distinct people i mean it's funny because in in aquasaste in fact there was a case a few years ago where osha had gone into the mohawk uh, casino or whatever it's called the uh, um, mohawk nation aquasaste mohawk casino i guess or whatever it's called and they tried to cite some OSHA violations, and and the Saint Regis tribe of Mohawks, their 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 council, their whatever, their elected tribal council, tried to use Canandaigua Treaty. So they they tried to use this this treaty as in their defense, and <laughs> lo and behold, the the U.S. government says we don't have a treaty with the Saint Regis tribe of Mohawks. You guys aren't the Mohawk Nation. We have we have a treaty with the Six Nations. We're not sure you guys you, know, you guys tried to assert some sort of Seven Nations treaty and stuff like that. So, so the federal government actually did what what many of us warned about. We better assert who we are. We better be clear about what our identities are, because at some point it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. And if you're standing up there as a hereditary chief, claiming that you're a Canadian. And that you have faith as a Canadian in your Canadian courts. Be careful what you wish for. Look, I will defend myself. I mean, if I'm dragged into court <laughs> in chains, and it happened, if I have to defend myself, or if I'm named in a case, I'll defend myself. But I will never seek through the U.S. court system a resolution that I'm trying to uh, to fight for, and 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 I got to tell you, I went to um, I went to Washington when during the Obama administration, they said they wanted to rethink the uh, the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. It was like 2010, so it was during the Obama administration. He said, "Oh, we want to clean the slate. We want to take a look at this thing, and we want to determine what the um, uh, where the United States should come out on this thing." and so I'm in a meeting where um, they've got all these representatives of all the various federal agencies up on a stage. And then we're all sitting, you know, uh, Native people are all sitting in the audience. And when asked the question, well, why did the United States vote against this thing in 2007? And and what is the concern still? Why, why is there it's still a debate? And what we were told was that the United States was concerned that this would somehow rewrite international law and that it would undermine the current remedies that the united states has in place for dealing with with native issues and they kept referring to this current uh, current remedies current remedies and then saying what the hell are these current remedies 
And so one of the representatives, and it might have been the, the one from the White House, uh, stood up and says, well, we're talking about um, the court system. Wait a second. So you're saying that when you violate us, that your court systems are the arbiter of, of, of justice? When, when it's your system that's violating us, that, that you guys get to, to name the playing field? And let's keep in mind, we're not in, we're never written into your U.S. Constitution. There's no place in your court system to even recognize the sovereignty of, of, of a plaintiff or, or a defendant, I should say. Why? <laughs> because your court systems are only bound by the U.S. Constitution. So if we're not a part of US, your U.S. Constitution, you have to you, you you can't rule on issues of of native sovereignty or sovereignty period i mean the only thing you can do is rule that you don't have the that, that you don't have the jurisdiction and you never do that your courts never do that i mean if you're trying to adjudicate you know um a crime committed not by uh, by a member of another nation but by another nation you don't have the the the, the jurisdiction to um in a u.s court to to hold china accountable you know or russia or anybody else you can look for individuals you you're only bound by the people you have constitutional authority over well you don't have constitutional authority over native people you never had it you didn't include us in the beginning and every one of your laws that you tried to pass including the u.s citizenship act the, or the, i'm sorry the indian citizenship act uh, even that we didn't consent to that. Well, there was no free, prior, and informed consent to that one. Yeah, I know. That was before the, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. But I'll tell you what, and I've said this before. In 1924, when the United States passes the Indian Citizenship Act, that's only five years after, in 1919, that the international community again stepped up and said, the, the concept of denationalization, the concept of stripping away somebody's national character and imposing another country's national character upon them is a war crime. So your Indian Citizenship Act, by that definition, was a war crime. It was an illegal act. And you know what? <laughs> Native people across the United States, and even on the Canadian side, they do the same thing. Oh, yeah, we didn't get a chance. We didn't. We weren't granted citizenship until 1924. You weren't granted citizenship in 1924. It was imposed. There was an attempt to impose it upon you. See, we're not even having this conversation. I'm, I'm, look, I, I say this stuff all the time on the show, but you know, a thousand people are going to hear this. <laughs> I, I, I need Degarudnagay. De I need Paul Delaro to say this and, and get 200,000 people to hear it. Not just talking about band councils, because the same thing on the U.S. side. However, we've got to have this conversation. We need to have this conversation. And we need to own it. And you know what? And we've got to look people in the eyes who claim to be tribal counselors, tribal chairmen, chiefs, traditional chiefs, her, her, whatever this hereditary chief thing is. I, I, we don't have hereditary chiefs. For one thing, we don't have matriarchs. We don't have hereditary chiefs. We, we have a clan system. And anybody who says or who talks about authority, who talks about voting, who talks about, they, somebody needs to have a whole conversation with them saying, wait, what are you saying? 
Are you saying that we need to assimilate? Or are you saying too late we already did? And that we, we can't, we can no longer assert our distinction? Because if I have somebody tell me that, I'm writing them off. By all means, step up and tell me that to my face. Because now I know, I know that I no longer need to have a conversation with you. Because now I know that you're, you're on that side. So now, anytime in the future that I talk to you, I know that I'm talking to a U.S. citizen or I'm talking to a Canadian. So let's be clear. I, I, again, at the beginning of the show, I always say, look, we're going to step on a few toes along the way and we're going to talk about identity. And this is critical because even if we do have some semblance of international support where this free, prior, and informed consent thing falls apart is when we start trying to figure out, well, well, who has the authority to give that consent? Consent from who? It's, it's a big problem, folks. <laughs> it's a big problem. Um, it doesn't have to be. I mean, we could sort this thing out. And we, could, we can make sure. Because here's the thing. We know, as you know, under Guyana Lagoa, nobody has the authority to, to, sell, to sell out our people. You know, Ed, when my buddy Ed Schindler's here in studio, and we talk about when the Seneca Nation, you know, abandoned what they called the chief system, and it was a chief system. Why? Because it wasn't operating as a clan system anymore. So when the Seneca Nation abandoned that, the, the chief system, it was because the clan system had devolved. It had become corrupted with ma- the, the mentality of male-dominant societies. And those men who sat in those positions, who, who claimed to carry those titles, they, you know, again, Dagarun says all the time, no, they disqualified themselves. They, they didn't have to be removed. The moment they did that, they disqualified themselves. But you know what happens in Seneca Nation? They end up adopting, you know, a two or three page constitution. And, and part of it was because of the corrupt nature of the individuals who claimed to be chiefs. So the, this isn't a brand new problem. This has been something that's been going on for 100 years. Why? Or for over 100 years. Why? Because that's the, that was the whole plan. And it goes back to Washington and Jefferson and, and all of them. That the whole idea was to undermine who we were as a distinct people and eliminate us. Genocide isn't just about killing us. Genocide includes things like denationalization stripping away claiming that we're no longer the distinct people making it um, forcing us into assimilation Uh, one that's one of the articles in this thing no more forced assimilation and yet the united states will say oh you can't travel outside of the united states unless you um accept u.s citizenship and a u.s passport but but we we won't claim that that that's still a war crime we won't say that it violates the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. We won't say that. I got into a big debate with Suzanne Harjo, another big voice out there. A lot more people listening to that woman than listening to me. But I got into a big debate because she thinks it's wrong for us to claim that we had been the victims of genocide. She thinks genocide is about race wars. And this is this is a this is a woman who. who you know, it gives, gives keynote speaking addresses all over the freaking the United States. Look, we need to have some tough conversations. And look, and I'm not interested in beating up on, you know, anybody, not Susan Harjo or Oren Lyons or anything else. But we have to have the conversation. 
And and if they say something, if anybody says, if I say something that needs to be called out, then call me out. I mean, let's have these tough conversations and let's try to address who we are. Because, I don't know, maybe some of you are only descendants of a people who predate the existence of, of, uh, of the settler colonials. I mean, I don't view myself as that. I, I'm not a descendant of those. I am those people. So we've got to decide, are we still unwe unwe? Are we? Or are we U.S. citizens? Are we New Yorkers? Are we British Columbians? Are we, are we Canadians? I mean, do, have we gotten rid of this whole notion that we are a distinct people? A free people? Because, like I said, some people fight for equality. And, and that's not a bad thing to fight for. If you're a Canadian, then by all means, fight to be an equal Canadian. If you're, if you're a U.S. citizen, of, especially of color, by all means, fight for, for equality under the, the U.S. Constitution. But that's not what we're fighting for. Because if we're equal to them, then they outnumber us and they can just vote, they can vote us off the island. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Our power is in our distinction, not in our numbers. We're, we're seven-tenths of one percent of the population in the United States. Uh, maybe two or three percent in the, in, on the Canadian side. But that's a small number, folks. Our power <coughs> is in our distinction, in our identity, in the fact that we're not descendants of a people who once were. We are those people. Some people got to decide if they're that if we are those people. I'm not sure that everybody agrees with that. But that's that's what we have to decide. And and if you're not, then step away because there's still plenty of people. I I guarantee you across all of Turtle Island and and beyond <laughs> is what the Kanaka Maoli are fighting for uh, uh, uh in Hawaii. Their distinction. So, if you just want to be a a tribe if you want to be federally wrecked, then step aside. Then go for it. But you're not going to speak for all of us. And you're not going to provide that free, prior, and informed consent for people to run pipelines and, uh, and, and rape our mother. You, you, you lose that authority. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll do it. We'll do it again on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for listening. Hey, share the show. Pass it along. I think we need to have this conversation. Y'all. You know